His name is Sid. Sid 6.7. Sadistic. Intelligent. Dangerous. A computer composite of 183 serial killers. But now, he's leaving the virtual world for hours. Welcome to the real world. I think I'm going to like it here. Hey everybody, welcome here to watch this podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And today is kind of a very special episode of You Have to Watch This Podcast. Yes, it is. You want to know it from the title. Um, but we're, we're going back to the, back to the podcast roots. Yes. Um, today we're talking about a movie that was kind of the, the start of this whole thing for us. Yeah, it was. This movie was Aww. in the original list of like stuff that I had seen that, that you hadn't. Yes. And we, uh, we'll, we'll get into all that, uh, here in a minute, but yeah, we realized last time we recorded that we missed our three year mark of doing the show. So we're like, we should probably wow. uh, do something to, to celebrate that. Yeah. Uh, cause that's a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, a I'm, lot, a lot of podcasts don't really get like, they don't go this far from what I've seen and noticed. A, like, lot, a lot of, of them kind of tail off from a lot of the amateur podcasts that I know of. Yeah. Like I've done them that haven't lasted that long. Like yeah. this is the longest podcast I've done. <laughs> and I've done at least two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so we started off in 2016 talking about like back when back when uh Zack Snyder was still in charge of DC stuff. Yes. Like back from Batman v Superman we started this thing and um here we are now. Uh Zack Snyder's gone, Aquaman's on Blu-ray and Shazam comes out next week. So <laughs> um I think My, we, how the world I, has changed. I think we've g- just gotten better since then. Yeah. So where the DC films have kind of like been off course a lot. Yes. Um, <laughs> but they're, they're a horrible analogy for the podcast, I guess. So um, <laughs> we're doing good. Like that's yes, what that, that, uh, the podcast has just grown. Yes. In the three years uh, mm-hmm. to, and we even have a new co-host. So, like as Ryan, yeah. Ryan, Ryan and I are getting sentimental, Devin's just like, I, I, I'm here. <laughs> so, I'm here. I'm here too. Hey guys. We started uh, this off in a closet. Yeah. And we moved it into your living room, like yeah. into your, what would be a dining room. Yeah. So. Well, technically. Small moves. If you look small at my lease, if you look at my lease, this is the second bedroom. This is the second bedroom? Yes. What? But yeah. it's, but it's, you have Weird. to walk through it to go from the kitchen to the living room. Yeah. I don't know. That's. Technically, it's a two-bedroom apartment. That's either cute. one, either one of these rooms does not work as a bedroom, but whatever. Yeah, that's fine. I thought about moving this back into the closet, but yeah, uh, Tom Cruise is there, so I couldn't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the one South Park joke I can make. That's the one I know. <laughs> so there we go. Okay. Um, good. It's a good one. Yeah. So yeah, today we're talking about a film called Virtuosity. Virtuosity. I could. I think that's the name of it. it, it look, look, I'm bad at pronouncing it, to be perfectly honest. Look it's at your one phones. Of whatever, whatever the title of this episode is, that's the title of the movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> Virtua- I was, oh, virtuosity is what comes out of my mouth when I, whenever I try to pronounce it. So, yeah, this is from 1995. Uh, little description of the film if you haven't seen it. 
because who hasn't? <laughs> uh, when a virtual hold on, when a virtual re- reality simulation created using the personalities of multiple serial killers manages to escape into the real world, an ex-cop is tasked with stopping its reign of terror. Yeah. That's a good, yeah, that's good. That's a good yeah. summary. I mean, that, that's the official summary from IMDb. Yeah, so. yeah, which really, I mean, to me, being a huge fan of this movie, that doesn't really give the movie that much justice, but I'll I'll run with it because it's kind of hard to describe this movie quick. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, Devin had never seen this. this is why we're doing this for the show. Yeah. Uh, Ryan had shown it to me before. So yeah. Ryan, what was the first time you saw this movie? Uh, I before? would think probably 97. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Was, so yeah. Right when it came out. Yeah. So when this movie came out, I was 10. Like when this movie came out in theaters, I was 10 years old. Um, about when my dad started letting me watch like the like R PG 13 like action movies which would have been around like 11 and 12 years old is when I saw this movie for the first time. And it, at that point I was already into sci-fi because I was big into star Wars and I liked um, anything that had to do with aliens and space. Like I was obsessed with Roswell and all that other stuff. And then this movie comes out and, and, and granted it has nothing to do with aliens, but to me this was, well, it was, it, it came out in 95. It's depicting, 1999 in Los Angeles. So technically it's sci-fi because it was set in the future. Mm -hmm. And it just, it was like this movie set my tone for like action films. Wait, this film takes place in 1999, 1999. Yeah. I didn't pick up. I didn't catch that. That's amazing. It's on, it's on, it's in the trailer. Oh, we didn't watch the trailer. We watched the movie. Oh, I didn't watch the trailer. DVD, so it had the trailer. So I watched that before I came over. Uh, No, we didn't. That's so weird. Oh man, we're we're gonna have to come back to that. So, yeah, that's exciting. The reason that we're doing this—the first time I watched this was about three, three and a half years ago. Yeah, because this was one of the ones on the list for us to do. Yeah, and it wasn't even on the list. It was we were hanging out at your place one night, going through your DVDs. That's right, and. You're, I was like, I've never heard of this. What is this? And you're like, it's got Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe. I'm like, I, okay, like, we're watching this now. And you put it in, and I, I just remember laying on your living room floor watching this. Yeah, like while everyone else had furniture, I was just laying on the floor. <laughs> I think we had pizza, and, pizza and beer, so it was okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was the first time I had even heard of it. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we're we. We we're just talking at work one day, like making lists. Like yeah. we started making a list of things. It's like, hey, this is that podcast we wanted yeah. to do. Like this is yeah. what we should do. Yeah. Um, and then and here we are, three years later, still doing it. <laughs> and we never did wow. a podcast on it because I think early on I had I had said, well, that we weren't doing that with this in mind. Yeah. So if we ever get down to we don't have anything else to do, we'll come back to this. Yeah. And then Devin comes along and he'd never seen it. It's like, oh hey, three years. That's let's make Devin watch yeah. it for his first time. So that's Devin, what I'm here for. Excuse since me. since this was your first time watching it, what did you think of Virtuosity? Is it possible to be nostalgic for a movie you've never seen before? Because that's what happened with this movie. I was like, I just forgot how much I loved the nineties predicting the future. <laughs> oh, it was glorious. Like I have been so, it reminded me of like all the greatest parts of like 
everything I loved was kind of cheesy and campy and wonderful of the Matrix and like, oh, just all of this wonderful 90s-ness. I loved it. I did. Yeah, that's one of the things that, um, as I was watching this film, like, I don't really need to say about how I feel about this movie simply because, like, I I own it on DVD. I watch, like, okay, so since we talked about doing this movie after, uh, when, when we stopped recording the last one, I've watched this movie five times. Oh, wow. That's how much I love this movie. Yeah, damn. So, now, granted, I'm oh, just saying, awesome. I, I sat down and watched it all the way through, maybe three times the other times i had it on when i was doing stuff like around the apartment but the one of the things that i love about this movie is that it reminds me so much of elements from other 90s like great 90s action films like the original like the first matrix and demolition man there are elements from both of those movies in this one because it has to do with predicting the future, you know, the, you know, w- what happens with mass entertainment and just the way it pokes fun of police a little bit and just every, and, and everything that they do in it is you can find in almost every other like 90s film, except this one I feel is the most original to all of them that definitely hit me about halfway through the movie where i was like this plot is really unique and i liked that yeah i mean i feel like i've seen it done since then like evil computer takes over yeah breaks into the real world i guess guess that's just the matrix reloaded isn't it (laughs) (laughs) i mean kind of yeah so the matrix Uh, reloaded is based off of this kind (laughs) of yeah um yeah, this definitely has the feel of a 90s action movie. Like, we talked a lot about how Captain Marvel felt like a 90s movie. Yeah. This is definitely a yeah. 90s movie. Yeah. And I think you brought up in our group chat about the uh, – there's been a lot of articles online about The Matrix this this week. Yeah. Because it's celebrating its 20th anniversary, which makes me feel oh old. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and there's, there's this – there's this article about – pre and post matrix films. And yes. you said that Captain Marvel was definitely, definitely felt like a pre yeah. matrix film, which it does. Cause it gets back to those roots of like that core of the nineties. Yeah. And this is definitely right there in that core with it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. right, right down to the end credits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we have to talk about the end credits. Oh my, I took a picture. Um, Oh man. Oh, are you talking about, do you have something to talk about the visuals? Cause I was talking about the music. I was talking about the music too. I took a picture of who sang the song that we're going to talk oh, about. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I mean, th- this is like, I, I definitely can feel that this is in the nineties. Like I could definitely see me watching this when I was like eight years old on like Fox on the afternoon edited for TV. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure I yeah. may have seen this movie, which then. would have been just, weird. It just blends in with, um, whatever Salone movies came out at that time that were sci-fi. <laughs> oh um, yeah. Like this is totally like one of those TNT afternoon movies that yeah. I, I would see. Um, and it's fun. Like, yeah, I just forgot how crazy Russell Crowe is in this. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's something about this film. Like this is my favorite, favorite movie with, with him in it. Like th- this is like when it comes to him acting, this to me is my favorite performance of of his um particularly the scene where he rescues parker from the uh uh 
transport going from mm-hmm. the subway station to uh, back to the prison. And he comes back mm-hmm. and he looks at him and goes, just because I'm holding the feelings of the joy of killing your family doesn't mean we can't be friends. And the his eyes, his facial expression, his body movement. And then when Parker goes to kick the fence inside the vehicle and he goes, boom, boom, simulating the explosions going off and then also like the gunfire. Like that to me is Russell Crowe when he was younger could have pulled off the Joker. I, I feel it. That Russell Crowe could have pulled off a Joker. I mean, I I'm pretty I, sure this character is pretty much the closest to the Joker that we've seen since Jack Nicholson. Yeah, yeah. Like comic book. I got Joker. a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the, and and that's one of the like five things that makes me love this movie is his performance in it. Yeah. When it comes to Denzel yeah. Washington, I love him as an actor. This to me is like cookie cut like his character in this is like cookie cutter denzel (laughs) yeah i I think like the first uh fact the first trivia on imdb for this is denzel took a role in this film because his son asked him to yeah i'm pretty sure it's the same son who was in black klansman so probably yeah oh really yeah oh yeah his his son's the star of black klansman he is no shit he's the superhero black klansman i haven't seen the movie wow i watched that whole movie had no idea (laughs) that's a good movie um well, damn. So his son asked him to be in this. Yes. That okay. Well, I'm happy his son did that because, to be honest, I love the like I love Denzel's performance, even though it's his like generic like this is just his like what his like what his niche is. So he didn't really have to work that hard in it. I feel like anyway. I feel like that his performance and him being in that character up against Russell Crowe balanced it out. So it's not just like this crazy cop who, you know, wants to prove the world that he's not who they think he is against, you know, this homicidal maniac. Like it just I feel like I feel like the two actors did a good job on balancing that out because that could have been like too heavy on one end and not enough on the other. And then it would not have made this movie that like as entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. And I just looked it up. I thought this was one of his first movies. It's not that early in his career, really for Denzel or yeah, for Denzel. One thing though, this movie does show that he, that his face didn't age for about a good 20 years. No, it didn't. Holy cow. <laughs> if you look at his face on like any of the posters for this, and then you look at the stuff like in the late 90s, early millennium, up until like 2010, or like, you know, like even like four or five years ago, like he has, he, he didn't age in like 20 years. I mean, I think even now, just looking at him, it's mostly the gray hair. Yeah, that, that's that it. Shows. Yeah. Because um, how old is he? He's born in 54. So. Do math and figure that out. Um, <laughs> um, born in 54? Yeah. He's 65. He's 65! Damn. No. Um, yeah. Denzel. And Russell Crowe was born in 64, so he's 50, 55. 55. Yeah. Yeah. Math. Yeah. Math. Minus ten. We we got it. Today. Today's my. We're recording this on a Thursday. It's my Friday. So after two weeks of work, so I'm just. You're just checked out. I'm checked out. Um. (laughs) Um. So the special effects in this. 
that they're they can go both ways. Yes, uh, you can definitely see vibes of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. The movie, yeah, it was those <laughs> Megazords. I get that. Um, All right, but, so question: How did you guys watch this movie? First off, uh, I watched it streaming from a site. <laughs> Great. I did too. And Ryan, you probably watched it on DVD then. Uh, I own the DVD, which to be, to be honest, yeah. doesn't really give it that much better clarity than if it was on a VHS tape. Yeah. Okay. Well, oh, okay. So okay. Here's the thing. I, I watched it on YouTube because it was on YouTube and convenient. Gasp. I mean, I if, I, if I say I watch it on a, a site, I don't want people to think I went to like the dark corners of the internet to watch this. 1995 Denzel Washington Russell Crowe's a killer machine. (laughs) I like that picture so much better. You seeking this movie out on the dark corners of the internet. That's so much better. I had to go to the dark web to watch this one. (laughs) Some guy in a white SUV had to pull up beside my house and drop off a woman who gave me a copy of the DVD. (laughs) I love that so much better. Um, but no, so my one. point was I watch it on the same streaming service that shall not be named that you just named. Okay. Uh, and the resolution was pretty low and that made the special effects look better. I watched it on my phone. So oh. like, I, I watched it, <laughs> it just enough to, um, full disclosure. I watched it just enough to refresh myself on the movie. Uh, oh yeah. Cause I was doing other stuff while I was watching it. So like, um, there were details I missed, but I, every <laughs> once in a while I would just check over and like, okay, he's being crazy. Okay, good. He's still going. going. Got it. <laughs> okay, dreads are gone. Got it. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Okay, so uh, Devin, when it comes to the effects, just like I said yes. before, like it goes very hot and cold. Like there are times when it's yeah. really, really bad, and then there are other times where it's like, wow, this was '95. What? Yeah. Uh, what were your like noticeable hot and cold moments when you were like, oh, okay, this is, this is cheap. And then it was like, what? <laughs> this is the same movie. Yeah. So the, the, my cold moment was in the very beginning when they kept trying to be like, something's wrong with the world. This might be a computer program. Cause I kind of went into this kind of blind, yeah. but like, he'd be like jogging through and there'd be like, like a building would twitch or this guy would be weird or like weird blue face would be hovering above a thing. And I was like, Oh, nineties, here we go. <laughs> but then like the effect when he's like absorbing the glass, that yeah. was really good. I was going to say, that's my favorite effect of the movie. And I think yeah, they, they saw, absolutely. I think they stole a lot of that from T2 with um, the Did Terminator. They? I mean, it's the same kind of effect, isn't it? Oh, that's true though. I can get Terminator vibes from this. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot in there's a lot in this movie that is like if somebody if an alien or if somebody from like, let's say somebody who'd never seen like a movie from the 90s before. And I'm like, okay, so you want to see a movie from the 90s? This one, like just this is a nineties movie. Like this would be like the, the, like the, like the dictionary definition of a nineties film. But, uh, so those were your two moments. Yes, absolutely. Those were, that was the exact end of the spectrum for me. Hot and cold. Absolutely. Okay. Alan, how about you? What about you? Uh, it's no, same thing. Actually, I was going to, he stole the words out of my mouth. So the beginning when they're in the, 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 not matrix yeah like that just seemed like you could there are spots in that where it's just weird like especially when he gets shot and then the, like the bullet hole just heals itself up yeah i was like 
okay, nineties. I got you. Like okay. I, I get it. Okay. Um, but then like I did really like the glass effect because I, I like the concept of these nanobots can heal with silicon from glass yeah. and just stealing glass. Yeah. Like I, I just like that idea. Mm-hmm. I feel like this movie just was a like story-wise, it's solid. Effects-wise, it's like a few years too early. Yeah. But if it had come out in like 99, I think it would be completely overlooked by the Matrix. Yeah. So Okay. Mine, the 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 part where it gets really cold for me is there are times when Sid six point seven, who's 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 played by Russell Crowe, there's like two times where his face gets distorted and his eyes get big. (laughs) Yeah. Though, like you, you could tell that they just went into the computer and then they just grabbed the edges of his eyes and pulled. Because you could see almost like the pull points, like on the corners of the eyes to make his eyes big a little bit. Um, My hot moment, though, is again, back in that transport vehicle when Danzel's going back to the prison. And Mm -hmm. he's saying that that old terrorist, you know, he's I believe the line is uh, whenever I see you, Matthew just comes boiling to the surface. And as he's saying that the that matthew grimes character his face in a wave comes up over russell crowe's face and then goes back down and it was almost perfect it was like they had both actors sitting there they they filmed both of them making that statement and then they just combined the faces together like that to me is the one moment where it's like this they spent 80 percent of their special effects on like that like two seconds and then they spent the rest of the 20 percent on everything else but it was such a good thing to use on because they've done the face on face thing in other places like yeah where denzel washington was falling and like his face would turn into like a computer face like sometimes that looked silly but like yeah. that effect was worth it yeah and to me the whole thing like at the beginning when like everything was twitching a little bit to me that that doesn't really stand out to me because of mm-hmm. the just the environment like all right. of the like citizens they're all wearing the same clothes yeah. they're all walking yeah. stiff they all have generic things to say it, was it and they and they even show a glitch where two of them walk through each other yeah yeah and so like to me like the the sky like um uh when the sky buffers they yeah, actually yeah. put a modern term on it when uh, when the sky buffers and like the windows and the skyscrapers like twitch a little bit and then they go mm-hmm. into the sushi restaurant and the woman just says the same thing when everybody passes yep. her. She goes, you know, welcome. How may I help you? Welcome. How may I help you? And then yep. it, it was they definitely cheapen the effects in the virtual reality machine in the movie than they did when it was oh, in yeah. real life. Like in the that film. makes a lot of sense. And I can see a, a decent directorial decision for that, too. Yeah. Because it's it supposed to look easier too. in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we're talking about the effects. I think it's... they. I'm thinking about some other movies that came out in 1995. One in particular, where the I, I looked up the budget for the, for the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so the movie I'm pic- picturing is Batman Forever, which was 1995. Oh, okay. Um, what do you think the budget was for Batman Forever? I don't know what a good I'm 90s not, budget is. Is $5 million a good one? I'm not going to give a dollar amount. I'm just going to say it was more than... Batman got more of a budget than okay. that one. By how much? I would say probably they got... 
like 50% more. Okay. Yeah, I'd say probably like about two times more than this one. Yeah. Batman Forever, which is a third in a series, had a budget of $100 million. Wow. Yeah. Virtuosity had $30 million. Good job, Virtuosity. Holy yeah. shit. Um, and I mean, you can definitely tell the difference because there's probably just as, as much CGI in Batman Forever. Maybe yeah. a little bit less because they don't go into a computer world. But yeah. <laughs> it, I think it's pretty much even. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. can definitely tell the difference. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like w- one ages pretty well. The other one is Virtuosity. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it doesn't age well. It's just that the effects yeah. don't stand out as much. I also did some research on other movies that were out in August of 1995 because this was released in, on August 4th. and um, Which is also in the trailer that's on the DVD that I have. So when I saw that, I laughed to myself a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other film of note that came out on August 4th, 1995 was Bushwhacked with Daniel Stern. Have either of you ever seen that? No. It, it's, I think it was supposed to be a Home Alone spinoff for Marv at one point. Okay. But it's Daniel Stern. Oh, no, I have seen is, that. Is a, a con man who ends up taking over a Boy Scout troop it, on a hike over takes a mountain. Him through the woods. Yes, I've seen that movie. What? Yes, yeah. nope, never seen that one. Oh, man, movie. We're gonna have to. I, I have it on VHS. I found it at like a flea market for like 25 cents. Like, I'm buying this. Bushwhack. I don't care if it doesn't work. Bushwhack is fantastic. It, it is, it is hysterical. Yep. Well, um, shit, I'm gonna have to watch it then. Yeah, we're gonna have to put that on the list. Yes, 90s movies all the way. <laughs> and now I have post it notes so I can make notes easily for the podcast. Ooh. Uh, other films that came out in 95. In the month, the same month of, in 1995, Mortal Kombat. Yes. Oh my God. Much worse. That is. Yeah. No. I've as never far, seen it, but as far as I'm concerned, the Mortal Kombat, the movie is the best video game movie ever made. And Oh, you're absolutely and right. And the best and video game. Those two statements should never be in the same sentence I'm saying that right now. But if they had to be, it would be for this film. I thought you liked the Angry Birds movie. I do, I do <laughs> like the Angry Birds movie, but I don't consider that a video game. I consider app games and video games two separate things. I know a lot of people don't, but I do. Okay. Simply I mean, because, that, that's like, fair. I, 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 I get that. Yeah. Um, other films, Desperado with Antonio Banderas. I've seen that one. I've seen that one. It's a, a times. Robert Rodriguez movie. Uh, it's guitar, our, a dangerous, guitar case full of guns. Dangerous Minds with Michelle Pfeiffer and Coolio. Yes. Gangster's Paradise. And then A Walk in the Clouds with uh, Keanu Reeves. (laughs) I want to see this now. Uh, It's a it's a romantic drama that that takes place in Italy. I've seen it because my mom would watch it when I was on TNT all the time. Yes. Um, Yeah. So. Yeah. That's August. That was a pretty good summer. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, So, I mean, for, for dealing with the budget it had, they definitely prioritized everything, uh, the way that they needed to, to make things work at, at least. Yeah. But uh, one of the things that I found interesting was that, um, I fast forward through the credits to see, uh, to see like, uh, the music and everything just to see, you know, like who sang what. And then it came up to like the special thanks. And they actually have 1995. They thanked 
a, the Adobe Photoshop. <laughs> I believe it. Program. Did they really? Yes, they thanked Adobe in yes. the special thanks section um, in the credits. So, I mean, it just I, I, I think with what everybody what I think everybody involved in this film when they found out how much CGI they had to do, I feel like they prioritized correctly on what to spend the money on and what not to spend the money on and where they could take stylistic cues to save money. Because I guarantee all of the CGI that they did in the virtual reality spectrum of the film, I feel like they Mm -hmm. saved a ton of money on that right there. Well, and that actually confirmed something that I was hoping was a thing is when Russell Crowe kept popping up on the screen when he was trying to defuse the bomb, the name of the program was called Bomb Shop. And I was really yeah. hoping it was like a deliberate ripoff yeah, or I think like a was. nod or homage. I think, I think this was like the beginning of people knowing what Photoshop was. Yeah. So Photoshop gets a bad, bad rep. Yeah. Well, oh, it does. Yeah. And uh, well, uh, it does. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Yo, definitely. Like for like supermodels, like in Photoshopping unrealistic. Oh, well, that's the users. Yeah. That's not the program. Exactly. Okay. But I people, just, oh, yeah. people should. Like if I if I shoot pictures for like a like for a wedding and I say oh yeah I just got to go Photoshop these and like, don't do too much like people people are scared of Photoshop yeah but it's yeah, really yeah. Just, it's really just a tool yeah um this podcast brought to you by Adobe please give us money <laughs> <laughs> oh that would be awesome please hey, Adobe we love you so one uh uh. I brought up before that you guys didn't know that it was supposed to be 1999 Los Angeles. What did you want to bring up about? Yeah. That? Uh, yeah. What were the writers smoking that they thought we were going to make that many jumps in four or five years? Have you seen demolition man? No. Okay. So when was Demo- that? <laughs> okay. Okay. So demolition man came out in like 92, 93. Yeah. And they were depicting mm-hmm. in 1996, that the city of Los Angeles was going to be a legit war zone. In fact, one of the characters yeah. say at the very beginning, can you believe that they still let commercial airliners land in this town? And they show tracer fire going yeah. up in the sky the same way it looks. And then by the year 2040 or 2030, when Sylvester Stallone uh-huh. gets unfrozen from his prison sentence, um, it's like it's ridiculous. Like I'm talking like self-driving. I'm, I'm talking like legit self-driving cars. All of the cars look the same. Mm-hmm. Um, culture and society on its own has just decided that you know skin skin to skin contact is just too dangerous. So nobody touches each other. Like nobody shakes hands. They just wave hands in front of each other. Like, huh. So for so just for them to think that hey in like four years five years people in the nineties were very hopeful when it came to technology across the board I, mean, I feel yeah I mean when it comes to science fiction nineteen ninety nine has always been like for the longest time in the in the twentieth century was the this is the future nineteen ninety nine is the future yeah printed all song about it but I think once you get <laughs> to like nineteen ninety five they should have been like, you know, maybe we should push this back to like 2009. Like, <laughs> let's just say like, that's the future. Cause I well, don't see us here. Like, I, I don't think Clinton's going to take us that far, guys. Arms. Well, well, okay. So 
let's talk about the things in this movie that they show that kind of stand out to us as unrealistic from going from 1995 to 1999. I, I mean, I, I just think it it's not as bad as it could be. Like the, the biggest leap is the, the VR, like VR even today isn't to that point. True. That's, that's the biggest leap. Okay. What's your biggest I, I think, leap? I think my biggest leap is the 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 self molding human thing. Oh, the nanotech. Yeah, I think the nanotech is. I mean, we're that's fair. Close. Okay, I'll give you that. Do you I think what, we're not that far. Do you want to know what mine is? Because mine's completely different than yeah. both of yours. Yeah. Denzel's robot arm. The robo arm. <laughs> I forget. I always forget about the robo arm. <laughs> Denzel, really, like pulls shit out of it and uses like, it. Yeah, like. Denzel's legit like Jax from Mortal Kombat metal arm. Like <laughs> I love that. Like so I mean like there are obvious things that are like okay in 4 years there's no way. Yeah. Um yeah. but th- there are some things where I can kind of see them stretching it a little bit and I to just for uh as examples two quick things. One the tracking mm-hmm. implant in Denzel that has the little like chip of like neurotoxin that I can kind of see them thinking, Hey, in four years, this could happen that. Um, and then having the Los Angeles police department be driving around in Humvees. (laughs) Another part of me is you said you saw that it was 1999 in the trailer. Yeah. I wonder how much of that is just marketing. Like, I wonder if this is actually supposed to take place in 1999. Because I can also see some the, the voiceover guy in the trailer. The year is 1999. They don't yes. say it. It, was that how it, it just was? comes up on the screen. Still, like, it's the same thing. Um, like, maybe that's just a marketing thing. Like, 1999 is the future. And it's just far enough out of reach where it's it's believable. The fact that they never specifically say it in the movie, I think. Yeah. Which, honestly, I like. Yeah, I like the fact like that they never say what year it is. Yeah, I, I, I like when like it gives you more leeway in the future. Mm-hmm. Like like today, not knowing what year this is supposed to take place in. Like, okay, this is what the, they thought the future was going to be in the 90s. Yeah. Where that, right. they could think that's 10 years from now. I think them thinking that was four years from now. Yeah. This came out in 95 <laughs> is a bit of a stretch. But I can definitely see them thinking, oh, yeah, 10 years from now, we'll definitely have like this really great VR where we can yeah. just put people in chairs and nanotech that can just build robots out of these personalities we'll have ai personalities yeah that we can program with every serial killer ever do you okay so do you remember the specs that sid was saying that he had when he was uh bragging about himself five like what was it gigabytes more i'm talking what was it what was it 50, 50 terabytes Oh, his program, his personality is 50 terabytes. That's what he says. Yeah. And that's before the movie Stealth, where they talk about how it has like a has like a hundred terabyte like hard drive. And they make the joke like he has all the songs. Why are you always bringing up Stealth? That's the first time I brought up Stealth. You brought it up before. Okay, one. Okay, twice, three times. I've brought up Starship Troopers a hell of a lot more than I've brought up Stealth. So I'm we're doing Stealth hit. next. <laughs> All right, and the Starship Troopers after. Got it. No, that's, that's the joke. We never do Starship Troopers. We just only. Oh, do no, stealth. All right. it, it, it makes me sad. <laughs> you have no idea how sad. <laughs> it, it's his white whale. Um, <laughs> we will well, at some point. I one of my favorite things about this movie is that they 
they, they take the idea of we're going to put all the serial killers personalities and profiles and put them into this program that's going to go around killing people. I like that. Like that's a smart yeah. idea. I like that. What I, yeah. where, where that loses me is it also has the killer of my family in there. He's the one who's taunting me like that, like that, that part's like, okay. This is just a nineties revenge flick. Like that's what that comes with the territory, I guess. But that's, <laughs> that's like the one thing I in the would, story that just made me roll my eyes. Okay. okay I so, was so on board with you with that until they interviewed the serial killer on TV and they're like, Excuse me, sir. You've been known as a serial killer, and they like we're just interviewing this serial killer. He's a being political okay terrorist. Like, yeah. He's not a serial killer. A political terrorist. That's it. He's yeah. a political terrorist. He's not a serial killer. You're talking so to somebody who's cool seen this movie five times the past week. <laughs> you could probably like what is it? If you could do karaoke for a movie and just say every line as they came up, you could probably do this with your eyes closed. Yeah, not with my eyes closed. I would have to watch some things, but I probably I do better on this movie than most others. I'll put it. I'll definitely That's amazing. say that. Oh, I you've you've like Oh my god, I think I got in trouble when I was a kid because I would randomly say at the house, my dad yelled at me to stop. <laughs> it's like, hey Parker, this one's for you. And I do something. Like I throw something <laughs> across the room or I'd like eat my cereal or something. I got yelled at for that one. <laughs> nice. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> but yeah, so um but yeah, the uh, th- there's also a lot in this movie that they try to bring up as kind of like a cultural thing of like, hey, this is what people care about at this point in time. Um, mm-hmm. Like when Sid goes to the uh, goes to the TV station to, to to do his death TV, and you've got yeah. the protesters out front that are for closing the border and for keeping the border open, and with, yeah. and with everything that's going on right now, I feel like it's still relevant. Um, I also feel like how they definitely, uh, even though like they wanted to touch on certain cultural things, but they didn't want to make it part of the storyline. Hence, they yeah. took the guy who wanted to close borders, taking the very extreme point of view of that position. And then mm-hmm. and then they had a guy who was for keeping the border open. And he was just very like, I don't I don't want to say an extremist to his point of view. He was just very steadfast in what he believed. Yeah. And it was like a five second conversation. I still yeah. find it funny that they like there are certain things in this movie that are still issues today even though this movie was probably written through 93 to like late 90 to probably like early 94. You know, I also wouldn't be surprised yeah. if this movie was written in the eighties. Oh, true. Cause I can see That's this movie be, being written in the eighties and just sitting on a shelf until the technology was there. And then in 1993, they saw Terminator like guys, 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 we can do this movie now. <laughs> and then it came out. And then like in ni- like three years later, matrix comes out and like, we should have waited. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. If they would have waited, I yeah. really think that this movie would have been more overshadowed than what it was because yeah. the Matrix, I mean, yeah. the Matrix is the Matrix. There's nothing yeah. you can do about that. Exactly. No, exactly. Um, I think this movie came out just when it needed to, to because if it didn't come out in 95, it like Denzel and Russell Crowe would have been too big of stars to be in this. Yeah. Like, I think part of the reason you have a $30 million budget is both of their careers were just kind of starting to take off. Yeah. So this is, this is before even the bone collector and before gladiator and all of these movies that made them stars and award winners. So like, this is before they're the A-list they're about, 
like Denzel's coming off of what Saint Elsewhere, yeah, like a few years after that. Oh, so yeah. he's probably B list at most. Russell Crowe is just starting out. Um, so yeah, I mean, of course he was starting out. He was willing to show his butt in a movie. Yeah, I mean, he went practically yeah. full nude for this role. I mean, okay, I'm glad you brought that up. I am like. If you didn't know that, there's a copy of this film on YouTube, and they don't cut that out. <laughs> like the YouTube, like yeah. censors didn't catch that for some reason. I forgot I was watching it on YouTube. To be honest, yeah. Like there were times where I was like, "Oh, oh, this is just YouTube." Interesting. Yeah. So it so they didn't cut out like the blurry boobs you see during the cage fighting scene. Like I said, both you guys missed that. Like I said, I was watching this on my phone. Yeah, I think I missed the blurry boobs. Where were the blurry boobs? Okay, so it's when Sid is in the cage because he crawls over. Yeah. And Denzel's yeah. in like that outside part and he's aiming yeah. his gun at him trying to get a good shot and he uh -huh. loses his um, line of sight. So he pulls the gun back and uh -huh. they show the camera pan as like they're both like kind of like staring each other down and it's yeah. just a pair of out of focus because they're too close to the camera boobs that take up the entire screen <laughs> and then it just keeps on moving it's one of those funny yeah, moments just kind of like an airplane think... or like airplane yeah. two whenever there's just like bouncing breasts in front of the camera for like a good three seconds just for no other reason than because they're bouncing breasts like it's the same thing it's just it's funny <laughs> nope missed that <laughs> So speaking of YouTube, um, oh God, I don't know if we haven't talked about this publicly, but our podcast is hosted on YouTube. Like we, you can yeah. go, you can go to YouTube and listen to our podcast, so you don't have to yeah. like you can open a tab at work and put it on your your headphones. Yeah, uh, we haven't really broadcast it yet, but we might after this one. Um, I found this out because the one day around the time we did the Bone Collector, I got an email saying that our video was flagged for copyright, and I was like video what video and i went in mm -hmm. we all of our podcasts are on youtube and we got flagged for the peter gabriel song i put at the end of the bone collector <laughs> yeah. episode yes! um and then we're watching this and i just like the end credits start rolling and there he is again yes, god damn peter up. gabriel yes! see this is it's what so jarring this time see, this is what thank you this is what <laughs> anna and i were trying to tell you this is what they did in the 90s. I know that's what they did in the 90s, but why Why is Peter Gabriel on every Denzel movie? Like, if I go back to Glory, <laughs> is there a Peter Gabriel song? <laughs> there better be. And if not, we need to do that. Yes, absolutely we do. Uh, I mean, I guess Seal was busy doing Batman, so. What's more jarring for me is the hard rock music that starts right away at the end of the movie. No, because that's such a '90s ending, though, where he's like, "I know, on the build, I know, I know, I know." But it's just like it's like it just look at, there's no build up to it. It just happens, and yep. it just it's a little like every time I watch this movie, it I totally forget about it. Like I totally forget about yeah. that every time I watch the movie. So I have to um, like I get jarred by it. It takes me like a half a second to be like, "Okay, this is happening. That's right," and then huh. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. But then Peter Gabriel calms you right back down. Right back down into it. Because that, that's what Peter Gabriel right. does. Like he calms he just, and, then he after, calm. and then after the Peter Gabriel song on the credits, they play a song that's called No Talk. So yeah, they I, do. I only had. See, Peter Gabriel came on. I turned off the movie and went on with my day. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I not went, that, is that not... fucking Peter Gabriel? And then scrolled down to the credits and then took a picture on my phone of the Peter Gabriel credit. <laughs> um, yeah. Not that I have anything against um, Peter Gabriel, but... I do. I'll take the hard stance. I don't like him. I'll be the detractor in this podcast. It'll be okay. Yeah. So, Devin, what yes. did you... Uh, when it came to just this movie in general, when it came to like showing how Sid used like entertainment for what he was doing, yeah. Um, did you get any like... I feel like even though this is a popcorn 90s like action film, I still feel like this film, I still feel like it's a cynical um, crew, like it's a cynical point of view of American entertainment. That's a really interesting point that I didn't think of before. Um, I think what I was doing was once I found out that he was all of the serial killers at once, I went okay, what are serial killers obsessed with? And then wanted to do the research on like, were some of them doing it for the notoriety? And then they were trying to show that aspect of it. And then I'm like, I don't want to research anything about this movie. I don't want to like ruin anything for myself. So I didn't. But like, I like your take on it. I like that it's a cynical look on American consumerism and and media. That's interesting. Yeah, because he hits up the nightclub and then he... Like takes mm-hmm. over the TV station. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that definitely works out. Yeah. It does. That and just like the way that he presents himself because he's so narcissistic, which is perfect because all, because I mean, all serial killers, mass murderers and terrorists are because it's not just serial killers. Like it's because I mean, like Charles Manson's in there and Hitler's in there mm-hmm. and John Wayne Gacy's in there. And then the, and then uh, Grimes, the one that is Denzel's like the, the one that, the one that killed his family so like you've got mm-hmm. all these different people in there and so the narcissism's like through the roof and that um the, when i was younger well when i was in college when i first started mm-hmm. to kind of think of like hey this might be actually like a cynical like just mirror to like the american like uh the way that we view our entertainment uh, it yeah. started with uh, my thought process started when he's walking in like the mall or market in the purple suit. He took off the guy to staying alive. Yeah. Staying alive. And they're showing the punks walking behind him, kind of like going, uh-huh. Hey, look, you know, Hey, look at this guy kind of like mocking him, but also not at the same time. And then a random dude gives him a high five and he just smiles and looks at his hand. And I'm thinking to myself, Hmm, very narcissistic. He's in a mall. He's walking in something expensive. And then he goes to a TV store and then he's changes all the channels and then he changes all the channels. And then he goes to the and then he goes to the uh, uh, to where the cage fights going on. And then that's when I was starting to put in my in my mind, if it's there or not, this is what I was putting together of like him going to the arena, killing the cameraman, Mm -hmm. putting the the, uh, putting the camera on on a attractive woman because just that's i mean what's going to happen is what they showed that you know like oh the cameraman's been struck with lust you know hey bring the camera down here oh, yeah. guy. 
And then um, he goes into the TV station and he's obsessed with the ratings. Like it's showing across the mm-hmm. bottom, like the number of the different genders that are watching and like the amount of people that are watching across the country in the millions. They make it a point to show in millions <laughs> on the screen, which I'm pretty sure is not how ratings work. No, it's not because that was instant. <laughs> but at the same time, and I was thinking about this, one of the last times I watched it before I came over here is that if it's set in the future, even though they showed that cell phones are still flip phones and everything else with today's technology, with apps and data mining and companies getting like information and being able to like know what you're doing on your phone because they want to be able to sell that information. Um, Mm -hmm. What they were showing on the screen is technically doable nowadays. Like you could have a screen up with showing anybody who's watching you know, whatever live stream on their phone or on the computer, that information mm-hmm. can then be sent. If you've ever answered a question on, on any kind of form, are you male or female? How old you are? Yeah. And then they were even saying in the movie, cut the phone lines. Like yeah. they weren't saying cut the video. Like they were saying, cut the phone lines. And, and well, was he, showing was, he, was asking, he was asking for callers. No, no, no. He, he was, but it showed all of the viewers dropped. Yeah. On that I took scene. that as the internet because that's how the internet worked in the nineties. Because phone lines, that's exactly. what I thought. Because it's one of the because it said online across the, the uh, top of the TVs at the station. So it said online, and then across the bottom you had all the stats, and they were saying you know, cut the phone lines, cut the phone lines. Um, and then when they cut the phone lines, it just didn't cut the callers. It cut everybody who was technically watching. <clears throat> On those things. So I wonder if that took part in it, though. I'm just saying, like, it just, that, that's one of those things that I kind of, I noticed and I was like, huh, because they don't really explain how that works in the movie. So, you know, I don't think, yeah, I don't think live streaming was a big thing back then, really, either. I no, don't think live streaming was a thing at all. Live streaming hasn't, wasn't really a thing up until a few years ago. Yeah. Like, you could stream videos online, like, like MTV would host music videos, but live streaming, like, webcam stuff started like probably around 99 it was very basic stuff like nowhere near the quality of what we're doing right now right like, it's definitely improved even in the last few years so just looking at IMDb, job, this movie for predicting it looking at this imdb quick i clicked on the writer to see what else he did somebody made a fan film of virtuosity last year what? called sid 6.7 yeah yes i need to see it um yeah here's the poster for it Oh, that's they got cool. a guy who looks almost exactly like Russell Crowe. You can't see that. Whoa, that's really cool. I'll, I'll send you a link in the in the picture or in the in the group chat. But yeah, that, that's interesting. So another thing I noticed uh, watching this movie, the uh, the daughter at the end, who's who's in the movie a lot. I was like, you know, I bet that's somebody who had a career later on in life. I I didn't bother looking it up, but I was totally right. Any ideas who that is? No, really, no, you watched the movie fifty times and you don't know. I've never cared to look it up. Okay. It's uh, Kaylee Coco. Who? What? Uh, Penny from Big Bang Theory. John, oh. John Ritter's daughter from no I don't watch Big Bang Theory. So I, mean, I still wouldn't know. I usually don't either, but like. Yeah, but you still know cool. who she is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now I do now. That's, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you saw a Big Bang Theory, if you saw like a, a lineup of blonde actresses and you had to pick out which one's from Big Bang Theory, you could probably figure it out oh, yeah. who it was. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, that was interesting. That's pretty cool. Which, another thing that got me into this movie when I was younger 
besides the uh-huh. violence and the the as of like as an 11 12 year old what got yeah. me into this movie was like the violence and the cool like hey yeah he he came out of the computer and he's got blue things that shoot out of his arm to regenerate yeah cool what really got me was her asking him do you think it's important for a first baseman to be left-handed yeah. yeah, I wanted to ask you, is it important for a first baseman to be left-handed? It's not directly important, but when you're left-handed, you throw with, uh, obviously, you throw with your left arm, meaning mm-hmm. that your catching glove is on your right hand. When you're standing at first base, your left your left leg is the one that's closest to the base, so that all you have to do is just put your foot over and put your arm out so the so that your right arm is your arm towards second and third. So that's your catching hand. And what and what makes it important is, one, you don't have to spin around. You don't have to move. You can just plant your foot and lean out. And then if there's a uh, and then if there's a base runner running from third to home, you're already your chest is already facing home plate. You don't have to turn around or spin after catching the ball at first if you're a right handed thrower. Okay. so really, I mean, if I was managing a team and I was looking to try to fill the first baseman spot, I would definitely be trying to find a left-handed first baseman. This is from growing up in St. Louis and being a huge baseball fan and being a huge Cardinals fan. I'm sitting here wearing Cardinals cap hoodie and lanyard. So, I mean, if I, if I was a general manager for a baseball team, I would try to find the first baseman with the last name who, (laughs) <laughs> so, oh there man, is. There maybe that's is. why you don't manage a baseball team. That's why I don't. Yeah, that's why I don't do um, Oh, uh, funny. Final note. thoughts. Did you know if you went to uh, if you go to Cooperstown and you go into mm-hmm. the Baseball Hall of Fame Museum, they actually have a they actually have a mini theater that plays that skit on loop. Nice. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Because that skit, I mean, that's like, that was in like the era of like the golden age of baseball. So every time that pops up on my Facebook feed, because it will from time to time, I'll sit there and watch the whole thing. Yeah. It's funny. It's great. It's a great skit. Uh, Final thoughts before we move on. I loved it. Um, It was that nice dose of 90s nostalgia that I was hoping it was going to be. I didn't know anything about the movie before it started. Even the computer program part I didn't know about. So I was very surprised by it. Thought it was a unique original plot. Two really cool actors. I would recommend it. Yeah, I mean, you can't... Like, I would love to see these two actors do something again. Just remake this movie today. Or just make oh, a, make a sequel. Virtuosity 2.0. There mm-hmm. you go. Yeah. With advances in technology. But they jump ahead we four should. years and just make, like, make it like 60 years <laughs> down the future. <laughs> um, no, I, I enjoy it. It's definitely worth checking out if you can find it. Um, Ryan, I think has the one copy on DVD. So <laughs> the only one, <laughs> yeah. my thing is that to me, this is the perfect nineties action film because you've got elements of, um, AI, you've got elements of, uh, it just, if you like the matrix, if you like demolition, man, if you like nineties action films, this gives you more yeah. than just a nineties action film. Um, if you love just, I don't know where I was going with that sentence. It's good. If I like it. If you like sci-fi, I definitely recommend yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that's it for Virtuosity. Um, yep. Tune in next week where Devin and I team up on Ryan to make <laughs> him watch something he's never seen. 
Um, but uh, that should be a fun one. Doogie so, Howser growing yeah. up. <laughs> we just watch uh, Harold and Kumar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just his scenes. Um, no, tune in next week for Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. Uh, for you have to watch this podcast, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. This one's for you, Parker. Parker.